This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello and welcome to Game Bet Match, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. It's day five in the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of 2023, and the men's singles matches move on to the third round. I'm delighted to say joining me to have a look ahead to tonight's action is the senior tennis handicapper for Because We Win, Sean Calvert. Sean, how's the tournament been for you, sir? Okay, Uh, it's going all right so far. A few decent winners, a few ups and downs as usual in a Grand Slam. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit. It's been a bit of an interesting one, hasn't it? With uh, everything that's gone on, with talking about injuries and players talking about the balls not bouncing properly, and yeah, there's all sorts going on. It's not been dull, has it? Well, the weather has. First couple of days, the weather was a bit dull, but that was about all. <laughs> I suppose I mean, it has, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the market now. We usually start off these shows by looking at the uh, the, the the future market, but as we as we film in here early in the morning uh, on mm. uh, on Thursday in in the, in, in the UK. Uh, Novak Djokovic is involved in a, in a bit of a battle. He's into the fourth set in his second round match, but he's had the he's an injury timeout. The market was mm. all over the place in play uh, with Djokovic. He went out to about two to one in play. He's now yeah. back to minus money. Um, what do you think of it? And, and, and last night, that bottom half of the draw was blown wide open with a huge amount of shock defeats, including a defeat for the American number one and my pick for the tournament, Taylor Fritz. Um, mm. First of all, let's talk about Djokovic. What, what did you make of the injury yeah. timeout? What do you make of Djokovic at the moment? Well, this is just happening now, isn't it, while we're talking? So it's not it's not something that we can really go into in a, a great deal of detail, but it, it looks like he's just struggling a little bit. We said at the start, didn't we, that hamstring injury. He came in with that injury. It's not a new one. It's not something that's occurred in the last you know, a few hours. Uh, you know, it is age, you are going to get these these niggles. The, the, the problem I have with Djokovic with these sort of things, he doesn't have to play them up. You know, he'll be off for a medical timeout and then everyone's thinking, oh my God, the market's panicking. And, you know, he comes back and he wins the next two sets, six, one, six, three, you know, in, in about an hour, and just over an hour or something. We, we've seen it so many times, haven't we, from, from Djokovic, where he, he looks like he's really injured, but there's nothing really wrong with him. Um Difficult one, very very difficult to, with him to tell what actually is wrong and the full extent of it because he does he does he does play up on it quite often. Yeah, I mean the other thing we've got to mention as well is the first time I spoke to you since Rafael Dale was uh, was was beaten. Uh, he was obviously your pick for the for the tournament at the price. It was a, yeah. it was a play we had to have, but we knew yeah, that was, yeah. the price the, the injury concerns were built into that price. Um, with mm. Nadal, he said out this morning that he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Um, mm. The tears at the end, the tears from the box. I spoke to James Blake yesterday. Do you, do you think this is the final season, year for Nadal? You know, you've seen him come back from injuries before, but at his mm. age now, uh, with what the body's gone through, it, it felt like that was the end of an era, wasn't it? Really, for me, it it did feel a bit like that. The way that he, the way that he said he he carried on the match. He, he said at the end, didn't he? He didn't want to leave. Um, he didn't want to retire as the defending champion. Uh, against you know Mackenzie McDonald, so he stuck it out. In any other match, he would have retired. 
um, in that particular match. He stuck it out. He waved to everybody at the end, didn't he? Um, it, it had that feel of it to me that it was it was probably his last time at the Australian Open. That that's what I took from it. There was tears, as you said, from from his box. Um, everything that he's gone through in the last few years. I mean, he's, his style of play anyway. It, so many long rallies, so many battles. There's only so many times you can put yourself through five or six hour battles without the injury starting to add up. And they're starting to add up now, aren't they? There seems to be something wrong with him constantly. Another tear, another six weeks out. Um, you know, at his age, it, it, it does feel a little bit like it's it's the end of an era for him, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, did. it certainly got that feel for me. Now, I did say to you, we're going to probably talk about this at the end of the, of the podcast, but I think it's probably, <laughs> probably, a good, probably a good time to actually bring it into that podcast. Um, yeah. Nadal said he's not going to be back to eight weeks, which would take him into sort of April time, March time, sort of that kind of... And that brings him into the clay court season now, if he plays in the clay court season. And mm. you spoke about times before where you should look at Grand Slams in the future while Grand Slams happening here. And the next Grand Slam yeah. is obviously in the in the French Open in Paris, which is in May. And if we look at the outright odds now, we've got Novak Djokovic as the favourite at plus 180, who's currently got an injury concern, who's coming towards the end Again, you know, twilight of his career. Yeah, Carlos absolutely. Alcaraz is plus two seventy five, who's not here in the Australian Open because he's injured. And mm-hmm. Rafael Nadal at plus three thirty, who's just said he's going to be out for eight weeks, uh, has pulled out. Uh, he didn't pull out. He competed in the second round, but he, did, he competed at hardly any capacity of his best. Mm. And they're the top three favourites. So now, it better should probably be looking at the at the French Open now, thinking there's got to be some people there. We we're going to take these three on with. Yeah, I've I've taken a I, I took a punt here a little while ago. Actually, I took a Massetti at hundred to one, um, on the basis that obviously I didn't know Nadal and, and Djokovic and Alcaraz were going to be injured at this particular moment in time, but it was always likely to happen, wasn't it? With with Djokovic and Nadal at the age that they are, you know, Nadal won it last year, but he had to virtually deaden his foot, didn't he? And completely, he said he couldn't feel the foot through most of the French Open last year. He had to completely numb the pain. You know, it's only so off, there's only so long you can do that for. You can't keep doing that. Um, so it's it's looking like you know Alcaraz. You know, it's looking like the favourite at the moment, isn't he, for the French? But you know, Massetti beat him in the final at, on clay in Hamburg, as you I'm sure will remember only too well because <laughs> it landed you that substantial bet last year. Um, and one of these guys is is a short price. Either one's hundred to one. I think he's probably come in a bit now. I think he's about sixty to one now, Massetti. But I still think that's that's reasonable value each way. Um, and there's, there's other injuries as well, isn't it? Zverev is, looks a million miles away uh, from his best. Um, so, that, you know, there are question marks about, I mean, you know, Medvedev's never up there on clay at all. You know, Medvedev's always wanted to be opposed on clay. So if you're looking at the top of the market there, there's there's, there's not much depth to it really, is there? And then yeah. someone like Massetti, who's been improving on hard courts as well. You know, at the end of last season, he won Naples and he did, he did well in a few other hard court events as well. Improving all the time. Um, I took him at 100 to 1, which I think was pretty good value. 60 to 1 is still a reasonable value. Um, and, and it always does pay to look down the line two, three, four, five months ahead uh, at these slams. There's not much point in doing it a week or two before. The value's gone then. But as it stands at the minute, I think, yeah, decent value on, on Massetti, but arguably one or two others. Yeah, the other two others, I think Holger Rune at uh, 1,500, a player who's really in contention with Australian Open, that bottom half of the draw has opened up. 
And mm. Yannick Sinner as well. You can overrule Yannick Sinner out in any major at the moment. He's plus 1,600. Um, is the best price around with Bet Rivers currently, uh, plus 6,600. So the best price, Massetti, if you want to follow Sean in. Um, just we look at the th- that bottom half of the draw here in Australia, though. It's been a good night for the Americans, apart from obviously the number one American for me, Taylor Fritz. Five Americans yeah. through to the bottom half of the draw, two All-American ties, which means we're going to see two American men's players in the last 16, American tennis seems to be in the right place at the moment. Um, mm. Okay, let's have a look at the third round matches. Uh, we've got eight third round matches uh, currently in the uh, in the Australian Open, which are going to be played overnight uh, and starting this evening. The first game on court uh, is Sinner. That man Sinner up against, uh, he's up against Fuchsovic, who looks like a middle heavyweight boxer rather than, a, rather than a tennis player at the moment. Clashing physicalities here. But a big mm. clash in class as well. Yannick Sinner is the favourite at minus 8.35. Fusevich is plus 5.50. But surprisingly, um, Fusevich holds a 2-1 head-to-head winning lead, including a 3-0 set win here in the Australian Open in 2020 and a win at Wimbledon 3-1, which makes, yeah. for me, that handicap of 8.5 look very steep. Or the games at 32.5 look very low. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had a bit of a poor, poor year. Fuksovic, you said he looks like a heavyweight boxer. He is, he is quite a muscly guy, quite a well-built guy, but he's always injured. You look at him and you think, this guy's got a great physique. You know, he's built like a tank, you like, know, no like, problem. A bit like yeah, he reminds me a lot of you. Yeah, Yes, yeah, yeah thank you. Um, <laughs> but always injured. He's a player that if you if he goes long, you know, long four sets or five sets, you you think... He's gonna get. He's gonna retire the next game because there's always something wrong with him. Back problems. He's had all sorts of muscular sort of related issues. So that that physique is a little bit misleading. He's he's constantly injured. He had a few problems last year with with um with Wimbledon as well because a lot of the ranking points that he'd earned the previous year came off because there was no ranking points at Wimbledon. So he dropped right down the rankings. Had to play a lot of challenges. Had a poor year last year. Um, but a, a quality player on his day. You know he's got a, he's got a very very good game. You know it's it's decent power, good control. There's 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 not a lot wrong with his game. The question with Fushevich has always been and always will be the fact that he's mentally not the strongest, as as we can say about quite a lot of these guys on the tour. You know not everyone's got the self belief of a Nadal or a Djokovic. You know most of them haven't, and and Fuchsovic definitely falls into that category. His his, his belief is 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 lacking. It always has been. Um, but he's got the game, as he's proven. This this head-to-head proves quite quite nicely what what a, uh, a class player Fuksovic can be on his day. My concern with the handicap would be the fact that he's played a lot of tennis. He had to go long, didn't he, in the first round against mm. um, it was Correa, wasn't it? I think he had to go mm-hmm. five sets against Correa. He's been on court for seven and a half hours in in the two matches that he's played so far, which is much much longer than Sinner, who's breezed through. So you would think there was a significant fitness advantage. Um, for Sinner, uh, I, I agree with you on on the basis of Fuchsovic's best game, his his class, his ability against these top players, he can compete. Absolutely, he can. Um, despite the fact they had a poor poor year last year, but I would be worried on the handicap. I could just see him dropping a set six two or mm-hmm. something like that, and then you'd be thinking, oh, God, he's hoping that he's going to get back into it. Definitely think it's a possibility. I, I would be tempted with something like three sets to one here. Um. Sinner. I think Fuchsovic has got a set in him on his day, but I would be worried about um, the the stamina issue. Or maybe play the first set over 
and keep make it tight the first set, and then he has a washout and gets fatigued in the second or third set. Uh, but there's a few angles there for Sinner against Vukovic, mm. uh, the eight minus eight thirty-five. There's a few obviously heavy favourites, uh, as you would expect, as we draw into this uh, third round with some of the CD players looking good. And one player who's looked particularly good, but he's up against someone who's in great form, is Stefanos Sitsipas, who plays Talon Krikspor. Uh, minus yeah. uh, eleven hundred and fifty. That's what one thousand one hundred and fifteen for Sitsipas, and Quicksport is plus seven. The handicap is six and a half, and the total games is thirty three and a half. Both of these players are unbeaten in twenty twenty three. Sitsipas is six and zero. Oh. Quicksport is seven and zero oh after winning in Pune, uh, an impressive style in Pune as well, serving extremely well. This mm. looks a lot closer as well than the odds would suggest. I, I feel. Yeah, I've taken a bet in this one. Um, on the basis of how brilliantly Greek sport's been serving this season. You know, he came into this season on a, a bit of a downer. He had a poor year last year. I think he had COVID as well. He had, he had all sorts of problems, form, fitness, just didn't happen for him last year at all. But this year, you know, as you said, he's he's, he's held serve 96% of the time so far. <laughs> you know, he's, he's had a couple of clay quarters that he's, he's faced, but, you know, he's beaten Van der Zanschel very handily. Uh, beat Bonzi as well. You know, these these are decent opponents. Um, his stats are, are fabulous. You know, he's won 81%, over 81% of his first serve points this season. 59% of his second serve points as well. So it's not all about the first serve. Um, his return game is better so far this year. I know we've only played six or seven games in his very early days, but we're, we're talking about the form he's in right, right now for this match tomorrow. Um, he's won 36.5% of his return points this season. Um, and if you look at last season, uh, the surfaces that have included hard indoor, hard and grass, so the quicker surfaces, he's, ne- he's never been much really on clay for me. Um, 32.4% of his return points last season on those three surfaces combined. So he's already 4% better on return. We know he's serving fabulously well, 96% holds. Um, and his combined service points won and return points won so far this season is 110.7, which puts him right up there amongst the best around. Better than Sitsipas even. Sitsipas had a great start to the season, but he's on 109. Um, and he's held serve uh, over 90% of the time so far this season. So it, it, it's a it's a match that, if the form continues, you would expect it to be longer than than the layers are, are suggesting here. Mm. I, I think he's going to be giving him a right good game. I love the overs here, over 32 and a half, is it? No, 33 and a half. And yeah, minus 117. I've played total total player games, Greek sport, over 14 and a half games. Greek sport's got to win four, well, 15 games in this match to, to cash. It's slight odds against uh, 2.02 in, in decimal. So plus 120. You know, if he's, he's we've talked many times, haven't we, about Sitsipas's return game. It's not it's not brilliant. It's it's not elite, it's not true elite level. Uh I wouldn't I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least one tie break, possibly two several long sets unless Greek sport has a big dip on the form that he's shown so far this season 2023 you would have to suspect that this is going to be a longer game than, than 30 odd yeah so there's a couple of angles there look at the total games look at the game handicap as well I think Greek sport the way he's serving will give Sitsipas a very very good game here and we've seen Sitsipas over the years have laps of concentration haven't we and, and you know lose sets and his returning stats aren't that great so against the a very, very impressive serve, and both players in form. This will be a cracking game, I believe. One of the best bets, uh, one of the best games overnight uh, in America. That game will kick start at uh, about eight fifteen uh, this evening 
Eastern time. Um, hmm. t- also, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, we have the man who beat Rafael Adel, Mackenzie McDonald, up against Rashidso Nishioka. Um, yeah. The thing is here with McDonald, I spoke to James Blake yesterday about it on Game Better Match. When we yeah. talk about players who have such a big win and obviously they always want to be a fade, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, follow, the following match. This is certainly probably the case here for McDonald, who goes up against Nishiokai, who's played five times, lost four, uh, and he got beat very convincingly by him already this season in Adelaide 6-4, 6-3. So I think the, uh, the Nadal win will probably be the highlight reel for uh, for Mr. McDonald. I don't think he's going to be uh, getting through this one. What do you think of that? Yeah, it just it doesn't look a particularly great matchup for Mackenzie McDonald. Um, Nishioka just, he just keeps pummeling him with that left, left-handed left forehand up up high, tries to put a lot of topspin on it, get it up high to McDonald's backhand. Um, it's it's a play that's worked for him really, really well in this matchup over the over the years. Um, difficult to see how McDonald can really turn it around. Nishioka's playing great. He's playing at the absolute peak of his of his powers at the moment. His, his game is not about power, as we know. His serve is pretty weak. Um, but his movement is fabulous. Uh, he's a, unless you've got a very powerful game and you can sort of blow him off the court, he's very difficult to beat. Mackenzie McDonald doesn't really have that that sort of power. Um, it's not a great matchup for me for McDonald. I mean, I think the prices are about right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be backing either man at those prices. I think Nishioka would probably win it, but you know, not my sort of price. I quite like Nishioka on the handicap here, minus two and a half at minus one twenty nine. I think McDonald. All the emotional win. I know. I know it was a strange match against Nadal, but the mm. emotion of beating the the world number one, the defending champion, um, the number one seed. Sorry, the defending champion. I think that takes out the media attention, and then you go up against the guy who absolutely annihilated you last time you played, and he hits you every time. Uh, I don't think it's going to work for him on a, on, a, on a, one of the outside courts. Uh, I like Nishioka. The only thing, sorry, mate. The only thing I could think sorry. in McDonald's favour here would be the fact that they were, they are all talking about these balls being not very bouncy. I don't know whether they've just got a bad batch or something because the balls are the same that they used in Adelaide for two weeks and nobody was complaining about them then. Um, but Felix was was very agitated about the balls. He said they weren't bouncing at all. That would potentially favour McDonald because Nishoka does like to, to kick it up high um, to McDonald's backhand. So if the balls aren't bouncing, that, that might potentially be a, a plus point for McDonald. But uh, I'm just not sure about this business about balls not bouncing very much. So some people are saying it it has happened. Some people are saying it it isn't happening. It's it's just a bit of a weird one. On the basis of the matchup, I would go with McDonald. Uh, sorry, Nishioka, yes. Yeah, Nishioka. Uh, next game is that man, Felix. He's complaining about the balls, but uh, he's come through two epic matches to get to this stage. Mm. And he plays Francesco Serendulo, a man we would expect to be more of a threat on the clay. And that's, again, reflected in the odds. Uh, plus 700, Serendulo, minus 1,115 for Felix. Exactly mm. the same prices as Sitsipas Crickspore. And I think this is a lot more one-sided than Stefanos Sitsipas against Crickspore. Possibly. Um, you would you would say, having watched Felix in the first two matches, that he hasn't been impressive at all, has he? He's had to spend an awful lot of time um, over seven hours on court already um, to beat Pospisil. And Alex Molkan, it was two sets down, wasn't he, against Molkan? Just again, I don't know whether this is a thing that he he's saying the balls are really slow, they're not bouncing. That would potentially sh- suggest that he's right because he's he, normally he would expect him to blow away someone like Molchan on a, on a 
on a outdoor hardcore with reasonably quick conditions, but it's it hasn't sort of worked out that way at all. If the thing that worries me about backing Felix at a short price here is that statistically he's not that much better than Serendola on outdoor hard at main level over the last year. Um, he's only 12 8 win loss, Felix, so he's only got a 60% win rate. Uh, his service hold uh, and break total is only 100, which is pretty mediocre. Serendola's actually got a better one, 103.2. Uh, and in terms of service points won and return points won, Felix is 103, and Serendolo's 101. So on the basis of the pure statistics, there isn't that much in it. The only thing I would say that is a bit of a rider on that is that most of the matches that Serendolo's played on outdoor hard that, that are included in those stats were in Miami, where it's much slower, much bouncier. On, on the basis of the matchup on a hard court with, quick, with supposedly quick balls, you would expect Felix to win, but on the, the stats are saying that he shouldn't really be that short. Um, it's a, it's a different. I certainly wouldn't back Felix at that price. The statistics are saying potentially you should have a look at Serendolo because uh, he's he's had a lot less time on on court. Um, yeah, difficult one. Felix should win it. You would hope if you're a Felix backer, and I'm quite I'm sure quite a few people have backed him out right to win this tournament based on what he did at the end of last year. Um, you'd be hoping that the first two matches have got him dialed into the conditions now. Then he's and he's gonna he's gonna brush aside Serendolo, but. I, not completely convinced. Yeah, it looks a no bet game for me. Nothing, nothing really jumping. No leans. Just, just watch and have a, have a, have a bet in play if you want to have a look at that one. Um, one man who's going through the draw pretty much as he does in every single major, just goes through and does his business and never really just goes under the radar. Cam Norrie, uh, he's got a reasonably easyish task against Jiri Leheka minus three fifteen. Cam Norrie mm-hmm. plus two forty Leheka. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if he's got to, he could have got a lot bit more difficult in the last thirty-two of a major than Leheka. That's I know it's not no nothing to give me this stage, but uh, mm. that was my reasoning. But Cam Norrie just goes through these tournaments, gets to the sixteen semi-finals at Wimbledon. That no one really mentions him as a potential winner. What do, what do you think of his chances? He's a Masters event winner. He's Grand Slam semi-finalist. Yeah. I would prefer him in slower conditions. You know, he's Indian Wells where he won the title there. That's obviously his biggest title. Um, slow, high bouncing, sort of gritty sort of surface. The ball doesn't skid through, it rears up, uh, which is kind of the opposite of here. What would worry me, well, what does worry me about Norrie in, in quick conditions, it's, you know, the, 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 the low bounce, it doesn't suit him. He, he prefers a, a higher, much higher bouncing um, court conditions. Um, Leheck has been playing well. You know, he's, he's, he's playing... At the peak of his powers at the minute. Obviously, these these two played, didn't they, quite recently at, yeah. um, in Auckland in a match that ended up being moved indoors. Uh, Norrie won it two one. Norrie also won their previous encounter two one, if I remember rightly, which was also indoors and on um, uh, in Davis Cup. Um, again, this could be another one for the three one. I think Norrie will probably win it. All his experience, uh, you know, he knows how to beat the hacker. He's he played him a couple of times, but he has had trouble with him. Lecker's explosive. You know, he can win a set. I, I wouldn't put Norrie in as an absolute cert here he probably he'll probably win it uh, but the 3-1 again like the sinner I think 3-1 is, is quite interesting there yeah, 3-1 Norrie is if getting the price for 3-1 Norrie 3-1 Norrie is available at I can't find it 
can't find the three one. It is It'll on probably the be around so about three to one. There you go, three one plus two fifty five. So plus two fifty five okay. for Norrie to win three one against the opponent who's taken a set off him in their two previous encounters, both best of three sets uh, with two one wins for Norrie. But Norrie to win is minus three fifteen. Uh, probably the most difficult game to call. There's two games I think most difficult games to call is in the mm. early hours tomorrow. Herbert Herkash against Denis Zhapovalov. Um, Herkash come yeah. through a, a marathon match against Sonny Agu. Uh, Shapovalov uh, never could be trusted with that serve. Minus 132, Herkas. Shapovalov is plus 107. Total games pitched very high here at 41 and a half. Uh, if you look at the head-to-head, it's 3-1 to Herkas. He's the number 10 seed. Shapovalov is the number 20 seed. Both are pretty much identical records coming into this year. Uh, into this In this year, sorry. Um, but, you know, it's that looks a tough game to call, doesn't it? Yeah, I watched all of Herkas's. 40-hour match against Sonego yesterday. He was dreadful. I, he was so bad, Herkash, until the last two sets when he found his serve. You know, off, off the ground, he was running at about 21% of second serve points won during that match against Sonego. Sonego should have won it in straight sets. He won the first set. He had break points for a, for a double break in that first set, ended up winning it, I think, 6-3. Um, he served for the second set which he should have won 6-4. He ended up losing it on a tie break. And then there was a rain delay. He won the third set anyway, Sonego. He should have won it in straight sets. But the problem that Sonego's always had, he, he just doesn't believe in himself in, in the big moments. He should have won it in straight sets. He just he, he just didn't show up for the last two sets. Her cash was... All right, his, his serving was a lot better, her cash, in, in the last two sets. But he was still making so many mistakes off the ground. Now, if you're, if you're only winning 20... 20 to 22, 23% of your second serve points against Sonego. That, that, that's that's a major concern for me. Um, on the basis of his performance against Sonego, I'll be tempted to back Shapovalov. However, uh, Herkash does have a very good record against left-handers. I think he's 20 wins and five losses uh, against left-handers at main level. He's won nine of his last 10. The only guy that beat him out of those was, was Manorino here at the Australian Open. I think it was last year. Um, so great record, Herkash, against lefties. Um, I, but I definitely couldn't back him at odds on based on what, what I saw yesterday against Sonego. It was it was poor. It was really poor. You must feel that physically as well. That's another concern. You know, you, It was a late through, one as well. It was a really yeah, late finish. That that would be a concern for me to bet him at minus 132, the physicality of him. Uh, Shapovalov, though, you, you can't trust him with any 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 time you know with the at way these prices yeah if i had to have a bet i would take shapovalov at these prices but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete swerve for me complete it's, swerve yeah it's me. not one that i would i'd only have to take that bet if i was being forced and someone said pick one of them yeah. at and, the prices i would take shapovalov on the basis that her cash was so so bad another pick em game is uh francis tfo you our last remaining pick my boy, yeah, a hundred to one. He's pinning the uh, we got the game bet match hopes on Francis TFO in great form. Took the USA to the uh, United Cup. They're playing brilliant here against Kalin Kachinov. Mm. Uh, minus one hundred six for Kachinov. Um, this is the closest game to call for Bet Rivers. It's a genuine pick and match, marginal favour mm. for TFO. I think that's probably to do with the fact that the American support will be behind him financially as well as uh, vocally. Um, yeah. What do you think of his chances? I I, th- I think it looks a good game for him. I think it looks, you know, with the amount of winners compared to errors that, that uh, Kachanov has, 
Kachanov has. But the problem is he's played him twice and beat him twice, both at Wimbledon in, in, in Grand Slams. But TFO mm. has had chances in those two matches to get something, but never never took them. But it's, I think it's a very, very different TFO now compared yeah. to Francis TFO in the last time they met was in 2021. Yeah, I mean, that, I remember that first match at Wimbledon. Um, TFO should have won it. He was two sets up. Uh, I think if I remember right, well, I do remember rightly, he, he definitely struggled with cramps. It was a pretty hot day. One of those rare, warm British days that you get like, occasionally. Like, to, like today. Not like today as well, minus three out there. No, it was, it was a really hot day. And, and this was it was about three or four years ago. It was a while ago. And TFO should have won it. If it was a, you know, if he'd have won that, obviously got that third set, then they would have won it in straight sets. But um, it was just the conditioning that day that let him down. I've looked at this numerous ways in terms of the the statistics and whichever way I look at it there's not there's not much between them there's less than one percent in it on the stats of outdoor hardcore at main level from the start of the US Open last year to now there's less than one percent in it the only difference that I can find based on comparing these the stats of these two players in that time frame is that TFO's won 89 percent of his matches I mean, Kashinov has done well. He's won 77%, so he's he's doing well. TFO's 16-2 win-loss in that time. I think the only difference is is the mental side of it. I think I said at the start of this, this tournament that that run that, that he had at the US Open where he almost made the final and the, the matches that he played after as well, Labour Cup and all the rest of it, he's, it's just really boosted his confidence. I think he believes now that he belongs in the latter stages of a major, whereas he, I don't think he really did before. Um Statistically, there's very little in it. The price looks about right based on the stats. I, I, I do like TFO to win this match just based on how he, how he is at the minute, his form, his confidence. Um, he shouldn't fear Kashanov, uh, in my opinion, and he's certainly got a great chance of winning. I don't think I'd back him at about 1.86, though. I think the thing is here is that obviously looks like however you've gone through all the stats and there's nothing between them. there's a cigarette paper between them in the rankings there's a cigarette paper between them the head to head is a bit misleading because obviously the injury that TFO suffered when he was two sets to love up but mm. the betting is nothing between them I think the total games here you've got to go long I think the way they're, they're both serving they're both, they're both in confidence they're both fancy the chances of winning this game I think this is des- mm. destined to go into a fifth set I think over 40 and a half is definitely the way to play that would be yeah, my, could, my lean it, my lean here. It, yeah, it could it could well be one of those games uh, where it just it just goes on to a fifth. I hope it isn't. I hope uh, I hope TFO comes out, imposes himself, uh, and wins it sort of three one. That would be how I would love that match to go. Um, but it's as a betting proposition. I think you know the prices are about right. I can't see any value in it. No, no, not for me. Uh, the final game, uh, the night game, uh, the, in the early morning game in the States, but it's the big game over on the, on the show courts in Australia, is Daniel Daniel Medvedev against Sebastian Corner. And this has got a real mm. box office kind of look of a game to me, a match to me. Um, Medvedev has been so impressive in this tournament and Bet Rivers have taken note minus 480. But Sebastian Corder has had a brilliant start to the year. Uh, got to the final in Adelaide, should have beat Djokovic, had... I think he had three match points against Djokovic, couldn't take him, lost two sets yeah. to one in a tie break in a real close game. The real takeout player from 2023 so far in the tournament for me, um, and he's looked brilliant in the two matches here. Medvedev, though, has looked fantastic as well. This is a real nice-looking match, and, I, and I, I can imagine a lot of people who are having a bet, looking at all these heavy favourites and thinking, I'm not going to bet them, and they're looking for mm. some out underdog or some outsider to bet. I would imagine that Corder would be the man they'd be putting their hopes up plus three fifty. 
Personally, for yeah. me, I think plus 350 is a little bit too low. But I think plus six and a half, and again on the total games, 35 and a half. I quite like quarter plus six and a half, minus 143. And I like the over 35 and a half at minus 114. It should be a very competitive match, shouldn't it? They've only played once before, which I think was in Paris indoors 2021. What would worry me about Corder? Um, I'm just not sure his serve is that great in, in terms of when you compare it to Medvedev's return game. And he only won 57% of his first serves, first serve points, Corder, in that match in Paris um, 2021. I just think... I mean, Medvedev's stats so far for this season, they've all they've all been very return-oriented. He's, he's done really, really well on return. Um, I know it's, he's not played many matches this season, but his service points won and return points won titles 113, which is which is excellent, which is which is right up there with everything that he's achieved before um on hard courts. Cordes is 106, which is which is very, very decent, but not not quite good enough. My worry with Corder is, as ever, is is his stamina, his fitness. I, I think if this goes long, I would I would prefer Medvedev. I'm just not. I think Corder's going to have to play really, really well, really well. He's not going to get enough free points off off serve for me. With Medvedev standing deep and doing so well on return as he has so far this season, definite chance. If Corder plays his absolute A game, Medvedev's a little bit off. Then I can certainly see that potentially there could be an upset, but. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure, not seeing it. I think I'd probably prefer to bet this one in play. Um, just not totally convinced about the stamina side of things with Corder. So for you, Sean, just the one pick, one, one play for you. Yeah, I think there's, I think the the over, the over games, um, over player games, I've gone for, but other people might go over the total games in that uh, Greek spore against uh, six past matches. Is the one match where the odds I feel are a little bit. Uh, a little bit wrong, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, it's the very, very generous odds for a man who's unbeaten this this year and uh, has won a tournament as well. So he's playing uh, great so, sits of pass, isn't he? But I think yeah. that's that's kind of affected the odds, hasn't it? He's, you know, he's he's been playing great. He's not lost so far this season, but we'll see. He hasn't played that many fabulous opponents. Um, so I, I just feel like Greek ball, the way he's serving, is is definitely well in that match. For me, my lean would be, my bet would probably be Ishito Nishioka minus two and a half games against Mackenzie McDonald. The curse of the player who's beat the number one seed or the top three or, or the legends of the game. Mm. Get back to reality on the outside court. Play a guy who's 4-1 up. You beat beat you convincingly last time out. And uh, I think he's playing well as well. And I think Nishioka will get the job done relatively easy against Mackenzie McDonald, who obviously has got this far because he's got past an injured Rafael Nadal. Uh, no worries at all for injury for Novak Djokovic, who has just won through. Uh, okay, you said you said, he may, you said he may have faked the injury, uh, or he not faked the injury, but he said he exaggerated the injury. Since the injury timeout, he won the full set, he won the third set 6-2 and just won the full set 6-love. Uh, there never, you go. Ne, ne, no problem whatsoever. So well done if you've got two to one tickets on Novak Djokovic to win the Australian Open. You'll probably be about minus one twenty five now, maybe even lower, probably minus one thirty with the way that the draw has opened up in that bottom half of the draw. Uh, it looks to me as though it's Djokovic is to lose unless he's uh, unless he has got an injury concern in that bottom half. Um, you can follow myself and Sean and all the fantastic handicappers on our Twitter handle, which we share at because we win. Please download this edition of Game Bet and Match, and obviously. We're available five times a week now on Game Better Match the Tennis Podcast uh, on all your service, your top service um, podcast providers. 
you can also give us a follow on YouTube at uh, the at Bet uh, the Bet Rivers Network, where you can get all the tennis shows as well as all the soccer stuff as well. Uh, Sean, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be back Thank on you. Sunday looking at the the outright markets and looking at the games on the uh, on the tennis. But it's uh, a couple of days off for me, yourself, and Sean, and we're back on Sunday evening. Take care, everyone, and uh, keep cashing those tickets. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.